Hello and welcome to our in-depth exploration of a fascinating paper titled Consensus and Disagreement, Information Aggregation Under Not-So-Naive Learning, authored by Abhijit Banerjee and Olivier Comte. We're thrilled to navigate through this paper with you, diving into the intricacies of information flow and opinion dynamics. It's quite a significant work because it veers away from traditional Bayesian models and inspects how information is processed when agents follow more plausible rules. Perfectly said, Jen. This paper is particularly important because it addresses a gap in understanding how individuals in a network can come to hold different beliefs or opinions despite sharing information. This adds a layer of realism to social network analysis. Yes, and to provide some context, the authors utilize a model of non-Bayesian information aggregation in networks, where agents or individuals select certain rules to integrate others' opinions with their own. In our episode, we're going to walk you through the objectives, methodology, and the key findings of this research. And yes, it involves some complex vocabulary, but don't worry, We'll break it down for you in a way that's easy to grasp. Let's begin by outlining the basic terms and theories. Our core discussion will dissect the research paper's aims, the analytical processes employed, and the impactful results that Banerjee and Compt discovered. And later on, we will analyze the implications these findings might have on our understanding of how people learn from each other. We're talking about the potential real-world effects of these theoretical observations. To conclude, we'll recap all these ideas, share our personal insights on the paper, and discuss its broader significance. Stay with us as we embark on this intellectually stimulating ride. Now on to the introduction, DB Null. Moving to the core content, we detail the paper's objectives, DB Null. The methodology is a critical part of our discussion, DB Null. Then we head into the fascinating results the authors found, DB Null. The implications of these findings are broad and impactful. DB Null. In conclusion, we're wrapping things up with an in-depth summary. DB Null. And to personalize it, we include our reflections on the paper. DB Null. That's right. So, dear listeners, prepare for an enlightening session on consensus and disagreement, information aggregation under not-so-naive learning. Have you ever gazed up at the night sky, Jen, and thought, wow, this could use more sea creatures? Can't say I have, Tom, but now that you mention it, why settle for boring old stars when you can have starfish? That's right, folks. With Starfish Stellar Decor Inc., you're not just adorning your space, you're diving into an ocean of constellations. Imagine drifting off to sleep under the Orion starfish belt. It's not just a cluster of stars, it's a cluster of adventure. And don't forget about the Great Starfish Dipper, where every star is a glow-in-the-dark starfish that sticks right to your ceiling. It's like if the ocean had a baby with the night sky, and that baby decorated your room. Best part? No need to fish for compliments. Your friends will be swimming in envy. So anchor down that feeling of wonder and let your room set sail into the cosmic sea. Adorning your space with the stars of the sea. The starfish is the limit. Visit Starfish Stellar Decor Inc. today and tell them Tom and Jen sent you for an astronomical discount. But hurry, before this deal drifts away with the tide. Welcome, folks. In today's episode, 
we're diving deep into an exciting piece of research that's making waves in the field of econometrics and finance. That's right, Tom. We're going to shed light on a paper titled Estimating Conditional Value at Risk with Non-Stationary Quantile Predictive Regression Models by Christus Katsouris from the University of Helsinki. The concept of conditional value at risk, or COVAR, has grabbed the attention of economists and financial analysts worldwide. It's a measure that gives us an idea of the risk faced by financial institutions during periods of market stress. Before we begin, let's establish the background of why this paper is significant. Traditional financial models often assume that economic time series data are stationary. However, Katsura's paper acknowledges that this is not always the case. Instead, it deals with non-stationary or persistent data that capture long-term trends and dependencies. Exactly, Jen. Now let's demystify some jargon. In econometrics, a regressor is just a fancy term for a variable that predicts or affects another variable. When we say non-stationary, we're talking about data that don't hover around a stable, long-term average. Correct. And the quantile predictive regression models mentioned in the paper refers to a way of forecasting that doesn't just predict the average outcome, but rather the entire spread of possible outcomes, like the worst or the best case scenarios. Right. This paper proposes a robust estimation technique for the COVAR that's a measure that expands the concept of value at risk to capture the risk of an institution given that another institution is in distress. It's kind of like a financial what-if scenario. If one bank falls, what's the risk that it takes another with it? Historically, VR has been used to measure risk, but COVAR goes a step further by accounting for systemic risk which is critical in preventing another financial crisis. Now, moving to the core of the paper. The author has developed a two-stage estimation process which integrates non-stationary time series data, data that follow a trend over time, into the framework used for COVAR estimation. The first stage involves what they call instrumentation estimation, a method used when the variables we're interested in might be influenced by other hidden factors. The paper cleverly devises an instrument that remains unaffected by these hidden factors, ensuring robust estimates. During stage two, the generated COVAR estimate from the first stage becomes a new variable, our generated regressor, and is added to the predictive model. The key here is that the method accounts for the error introduced by generating this new variable, which Katsura suggests is critical for accuracy. The implications of this are vast. With more reliable systemic risk measures, financial institutions can better prepare for turbulent times and regulatory bodies can implement more informed policies to maintain stability. As for the conclusion, the main takeaway from this paper is the establishment of a solid method for estimating COVAR that is robust to the non-stationary nature of financial time series, which by the way, is a significant stride in econometric modeling. Reflecting on the bigger picture, Katsura's work could revolutionize our approach to financial risk management. It shows a path toward greater resilience in the financial system by understanding the interconnected risks we face in today's global economy. That's our show for today, folks. We hope you've gained some insight into this breakthrough paper. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep pondering the quantiles and stay tuned to our podcast for more stimulating discussions on groundbreaking research. Ever find yourself lost in the woods, wishing you had GPS and a friendly companion? Or at home, 
dreaming of a security system that could scare off intruders with an earth-shattering bellow. Well, worry no more. Meet the latest in frontier tech from Cybermoose Dynamics. Introducing RoboRack, the antler enhancement that not only amps up your Wi-Fi, but dries your clothes with a breath of fresh pine-scented air. Tired of delivery drones crashing into your rose bushes? Our Moosomatic delivery service will trot right to your door with packages nestled safely between its stoic antlers. And for the adventurers out there, our Moose Assistant has built in AI. It'll map your hike, chat about the weather, or join a Canadian parade, all while making your friends utterly jealous. With CyberMoose Dynamics, you're not just getting cutting-edge tech, you're getting a lumbering, biomechanical buddy with a heart of gold and circuitry. So, whether you're in the market for a majestic mecha mammal or just boosting your bars with a bit of antler flair, Tom and Jen choose CyberMoose Dynamics and let technology run wild. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have a riveting topic for you, one that touches on education, economics, parenting, and policy. We're diving into dynamic incentives in centralized matching, the case of Japanese daycare. Indeed, Jen. The topic might sound a bit technical, but trust us, it has far-reaching implications for how we design systems that are fair and efficient. To understand the significance of this paper, we really need to explore the world of centralized matching. Centralized matching is basically the process of allocating resources, like school slots or daycare spots, to applicants based on their preferences and some priority rules. In Japan, for example, daycare centers don't just take first-come, first-served applications. There's a system in place to match children to daycare spots. But before we delve deeper, Jen, let's break down some vocabulary that our listeners will hear today. We're going to talk about things like roles. That stands for ranked order lists. These are lists that parents submit ranking their preferred daycare centers. That's right, Tom. And we'll also discuss terms like manipulation, which in this context refers to the strategic way parents might rank daycare centers, not necessarily based on true preferences, but to game the system for a better outcome. Now onto the research paper's objectives. Published by researcher Khan Kuno, the paper investigates a rather clever, if somewhat concerning, behavior among Japanese parents in the daycare market. Specifically, in crowded markets like Tokyo's Bunkyo municipality, where our study is centered, parents have been purposely getting waitlisted. That's right, not getting their child into daycare, so they can receive additional priority points for the next application round. This strategic move manipulates the system, increasing their child's chances of getting into a more selective daycare later on. We're talking about approximately 30% of applicants taking this gamble. The methodology is intricate, Tom. Kuno extends existing static models of school choice, which only consider one-shot applications, to dynamic models that account for the possibility of reapplying if you're waitlisted. And Kuno's findings? Simply amazing. The research concludes that removing the additional waitlist priority would decrease the number of waitlisted applicants and actually increase overall welfare by about 1.2%. The implications are huge, Tom. Not only does this highlight the unexpected strategies parents employ, but it also shows how policy tweaks can lead to a more efficient and fairer system. Lastly, in our conclusion, we reflect on the broader relevance of this study. Policies rooted in the best intentions sometimes have unintended consequences. 
It's a wake-up call for policymakers everywhere to continuously evaluate and adjust mechanisms like these. And that's it for the introduction. Stick around as we'll be dissecting this research paper in detailed discussion after the break, going through methodologies and key results before exploring the broader implications. Stay tuned. Do you ever walk into a party and feel like you're just not flashy enough? Do you struggle to break the ice at those awkward social events? Fear not, because Aurora Bowtie Extravaganza Inc. has your neck covered, literally. Introducing the only fashion accessory you'll ever need, the sentient light-up bowtie. Feel the rhythm? Your bowtie does too. It pulsates to the beat of your favorite love ballad during that romantic dinner. At a rave, your bowtie turns into a display of dazzling colors that would make the Aurora Borealis jealous. And when you're trapped in that corner at your next networking event with nothing to say, boom, your Aurora bowtie scrolls out an icebreaker faster than you can say synergize our paradigms. From black tie galas to intergalactic parties, your neck will never be lonely with an Aurora bowtie on it. And guess what, listeners? For a limited time, use the code TOMANGEN for 10% off your first sentient neck companion. Light up your life with Aurora Bowtie Extravaganza Inc. It's the brightest fashion statement you'll ever make. And remember, with an Aurora Bowtie, you're not just dressed up, you're dressed to impress, outshine, and outsparkle. Wear the conversation starter that glows, knows, and shows you're ready for anything. Get yours today. Welcome back to our thought-provoking podcast, where we dive deep into the intricacies of economics and decision-making. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're journeying into the world of economic evaluation, and specifically, how risk aversion affects medical decisions. Indeed, Jen, we're dissecting a fascinating paper titled Considering Risk Aversion in Economic Evaluation, a Rank-Dependent Approach. The significance of this paper, for those who may not know, is profound. Economic evaluations often assume risk neutrality in decision-making, but this paper challenges that norm and provides a method to consider risk aversion. Right, Jen. Risk aversion can profoundly affect which health technologies are adopted, so understanding and accounting for it is critical in efficient healthcare resource allocation. Now, to prepare you for the core ideas we'll discuss, let's touch upon some key terms. The paper refers to decision tree models, which are tools used to visualize decisions and their potential outcomes. And when it comes to risk aversion, we're talking about the tendency to favor certain outcomes over others due to the risks involved. But enough with the teaser, let's get into the meat of the paper. The researcher's objective was clear, adapt existing decision tree models used in cost-effectiveness analysis to account for risk aversion among medical decision makers. They used a concept from rank-dependent utility theory, Gen, applying a probability weighting function to transform the perceived probabilities of outcomes. Can you imagine taking a simple decision tree and recognizing that two doctors might make different choices based on their individual attitudes toward risk? That's exactly what this paper tackles. And it's not just a theoretical exercise. The implications are real. If clinicians are risk-averse, they might not adopt more effective technologies, testing excessively, or delay treatment. Fascinating, Tom. They modified the expected net benefit equations by altering the probability distributions, 
essentially reshaping how we evaluate the benefits of different medical treatments. What's even more interesting is how these findings could change healthcare policy. The authors propose compensating doctors to adopt efficient technologies they'd typically avoid due to their risk aversion. As for the results, the researchers found distinct thresholds for adopting new treatments when accounting for risk aversion. Yes, and they coined the term compensating threshold, which they recommend using to harmonize decisions between risk-neutral and risk-averse decision-makers. But as with all research, there are limitations. The method might lead to overpaying clinicians, and effects are dependent on how health is measured. To wrap this up, this paper opens doors to new ways of approaching economic evaluations in healthcare. By acknowledging risk aversion, new strategies for implementing health technologies can be devised. Absolutely, Tom. It suggests a future where economic models are more reflective of actual decision-making behaviors in the clinical world. As we end this fascinating episode, remember that the landscape of healthcare economics is complex and ever-evolving. And we're here to unpack those complexities for you. We hope you've gained a new perspective on the role of risk aversion in the economic evaluation of health technologies. Join us next time as we continue to explore groundbreaking research and ideas that shape our understanding of the world. This is Tom. And Jen signing off. Stay curious and keep learning. Are you a salad lover looking to launch your taste buds on a cosmic journey? Then fasten your asteroid belts because we have something that will rocket your greens game to the next level. Introducing Moon Cabbage from Lunar Leaves Lidded. Get ready for a salad experience that's out of this world, literally. Our moon cabbage is grown under the glow of lunar crystals, giving it that extraterrestrial zing. Why settle for earthbound veggies? With moon cabbage, you'll be dining like an astronaut without ever leaving your kitchen. Hydroponically harvested in our state-of-the-art lunar biodome, this isn't your grandma's cabbage. It's crisper than a fresh dollar bill and cooler than the dark side of the moon. And with flavors like Crater Crunch and Meteorite Munch, your salad is about to go supernova. So get your space forks ready and dive into a bowl of galactic goodness. Remember, it's not just greens, it's galactic greens for earthly beings. Visit Lunar Leaves Eltedid and grab your Zero Gravity Grow Kit today. Or pick up a pack of pre-harvested moon cabbage. It's the veggie that's taking the universe by storm. Lunar Leaves Eltedid, because who says you can't have your satellite and eat it too? We're stardusted to be sponsored by these celestial farmers. And now, back to your regularly scheduled intergalactic podcast programming. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. We're your guides to the vast universe of knowledge where we simplify the complexities of the world one topic at a time. Today, we're diving into a research paper that sounds quite intimidating, but has significant implications in economics and computer science. Efficient, prior-free mechanisms for no-regret agents. That's right. And although the title might be a tongue twister, we promise to unravel it with some good old-fashioned storytelling and analogies. Exactly, Jen. To start off, this paper comes from researchers at the University of Pennsylvania and the Toyota Technological Institute at Chicago, highlighting growing interdisciplinary collaboration in research. Now, let's lay down the context behind why this paper is a big deal. It falls under the realm of mechanism design, 
which is about engineering systems, often economic or political, that incentivize participants to act in the desired way. It addresses a class of problems called principal-agent problems. These problems occur when one party, the principal, delegates work to another, the agent, under conditions of uncertain outcomes or hidden actions. Right, common examples are an employer setting up a payment scheme for an employee or a company designing a contract for a service provider. Now, onto the key concepts and background. The paper talks about prior free mechanisms. Normally, mechanism design assumes everyone agrees on the probabilities of future states of the world. These are called priors. But what if the world is so unpredictable that it's unreasonable to assume everyone shares the same priors? The paper tackles this question head-on, analyzing a world without them, or prior-free. It also discusses no-regret agents. These are savvy agents that learn and adapt their actions over time to ensure their average payoff is as good as if they had perfect knowledge and acted optimally in hindsight. To make all this a bit more relatable, imagine you're playing a game of poker. A no-regret player gets better with each hand, minimizing their losses in the long run, without knowing what cards will come up next. The paper further challenges the traditional method by exploring what happens when the realized states of nature can be adversarially chosen. That's a fancy way of saying the future can be as unpredictable as a plot twist in a thriller novel. As for the complex vocabulary, terms like regret bounds, calibrated forecasts, and policy oracle might pop up. Don't worry, it's all jargon we'll explain along the way. Moving on to the core of the paper, the authors aim to build mechanisms that perform well without the common prior assumption and make these mechanisms computationally feasible, even for large state spaces. They introduce mechanisms that use forecasts of uncertain future states, but don't need them to be as meticulously calculated as in previous studies. Additionally, this groundbreaking work introduces the concept of stable policies, where the principal's payoff is not significantly affected by the agent's actions, allowing for a strong form of policy regret control. And pulling back to our poker analogy, it's like having a strategy that's resilient even if your opponents start playing unpredictably. That's quite a useful strategy, Jen. Now, what's the potential impact on the field? By not requiring a common prior, these mechanisms can be applied in real-world settings where shared beliefs about the future are hard to come by or even non-existent. Think large financial markets, automated systems, or AI agents. They can all benefit from strategies that make fewer assumptions and adapt to real-time conditions. As for our conclusion and personal reflections, this paper offers a significant leap in designing mechanisms for systems that interact with learning agents in uncertain environments. It changes the game for how we can encourage desired outcomes in complex situations, reducing reliance on shared assumptions and leaning towards more realistic, adaptable approaches. And there you have it, folks our journey through the paper, Efficient Prior-Free Mechanisms for No-Regret Agents. We hope you found this episode informative and entertaining. We sure had fun decoding that for you. Stay curious and see you in the next episode where we tackle another slice of the science pie. This is Tom. Signing off. Stay fascinated and see you next time. Ahoy, mateys and mariners of mystery. Have we got a spectral surprise for you today? That's right, Tom, and it's coming straight from the otherworldly workshops of Spectral Spokes and Sales Inc. 
Are you ready to navigate the haunted highs and lows of the seven seas with a ghostly twist? Introducing the Ghost Ship Wheel, your new paranormal first mate from the depths of Davy Jones's locker. No need to rely on the stars for navigation. You've got the afterlife at your helm. But wait, there's more. Choose from the friendly phantasmal helm, the chilling wraith-rudder combo, or the banshee-wailed alarms of the banshee-bearing. Ever dreamt of chatting with a spectral sailor or listening to the lost tales from the locker? With a ghost-infused rudder, every day could be talk like a pirate day. Are icebergs and enemy vessels giving you the shivers? With the banshee bearing, you'll not only steer clear, you'll scream in style. And if your ghosts go overboard or your vessel veers into voodoo territory, fear not. The medium mechanics at Spectral Spokes and Sails Inc. offer seafaring seances to get you back in shipshape. Disclaimer for all our daredevil captains out there. Steer clear of the Bermuda Triangle, or you might find yourself in a time loop playing hide-and-seek with the Flying Dutchman. So set sail with Spectre Precision and make your next voyage a hauntingly good adventure, courtesy of Spectral Spokes and Sails, Inc. And remember, listeners, stay spooky and keep listening to us, brought to you by the ghostliest gear on the seven seas. Until next time, keep your spirits up, and your ghost ship wheels turning. Thank you.